Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Bauer and Rose Show with your hosts, Gary Bauer and Tom Rose. We're here multiple times a week, hosted by our good friends at JustTheNews.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125 on the weekends. And again, uh, we've been hosted for a year now by our good friends at uh, JustTheNews.com. And John Solomon has done just a bang up. I mean, that's one of the best original reporting sites uh, on the web. And doggone it, Gary, we're going to have him on our show. Uh, well, I, I've been uh, periodically as I am falling asleep at night, uh, this thought keeps coming into my mind, and it just sort of rolls off the tongue. The the Bauer and Solomon show. I, I don't know, you know, and and because of the last name, it it you know it, it might it might work, Tom. Uh, so uh, no, seriously, uh, John Solomon is doing a level of journalism that's almost non-existent in this town, Tom. Uh, look, I even look at... Well, then I don't understand I, I, why you have been so resistant for so long to have uh, him on the show. Yeah, John's not <laughs> going to believe that. Uh, but, but, you know, even on Fox News, I, somebody was observing this in the last day or so. They seldom break a big news story on Fox News. You know what I mean? Like they'll report on... They'll bring John on... So that he can bring a, break a story, right. but they're the leading, supposedly the leading conservative alternative in America, and pre- and presumably they've got investigative journalists that are supposed to find things. And I can't remember the last time. Am I missing something? When Fox News is breaking a story, we have discovered that. I never hear that. There, there was a story. I don't know whether you can call it a story. Last night. On Fox News. Um, I'm in Israel, as you know. So obviously the attention here in the media here is focused on domestic matters. There's been a lot of reporting domestically in the past week or two weeks that's obviously been pushed by the Biden administration uh, to their, you know, friendly uh, journalistic cabal over here that Israeli normalization with Saudi Arabia is dependent that so they so the Americans claim we want to push normalization, but the Saudis are saying you have to have a Palestinian state first before we'll talk about uh, in you know normalizing relations with Israel. Well, MBS was just on the Brett Baer show. He was broadcasting from Saudi Arabia, and MBS says Mohammed bin Salman, who's the crown prince, effectively the leader of Saudi Arabia. His father is uh, King Abdullah, who's what is he, 136 years old or something? Uh, he says, MBS, and this is the quote, all we want is a decent life for Palestinians. 
nothing about a state, nothing about a demand. Um, and again, the American media didn't really pick it up. And what, what folks here don't understand and don't appreciate is that the pressure is coming not from Riyadh. It's coming from Washington. Yeah, Tom. I, yeah, I saw the interview um, and uh, that that jumped out at me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. I. I still wouldn't say that's investigative journalism. And okay. Some big story. But at any rate, I, I see your point. I mean, it's uh, if uh, that inter- if that interview hadn't happened, maybe uh, this false narrative would would continue. Um, oh, it'll I, continue. By, by the it'll, there's no reason for it not to continue. It'll continue. They don't care. <laughs> the Americans yeah, don't care. Yeah. Right. No, I I agree. Uh, by by the way, Tom. So the, the the Fox Evening News is from six to seven. They took from six to six thirty to do this interview. Now maybe I've lost touch with Middle America, the yeah. people that watch Fox News, exactly, my where they get most of their viewership, et cetera, which is a lot lower than it used to be now that they don't have Tucker Carlson, and a lot lower than it used to be because they seem to think that their job every uh, morning is to bash Donald Trump. Um, but I can't imagine, uh, you, you know, Joe the plumber in Indiana turning on Fox News because he wants to hear some stuff he doesn't hear in the other stations and get told that, uh, well, we're going right to Saudi Arabia where Brett Baer has done this interview. And, uh, you know, we know a lot of other important things are happening, but we're going to bring this to you first. And that was from 6 to 6.30. Gary, And it Gary, was almost a paid ad by Saudi Arabia. Gary, I'm Tom Rose. I'm in Israel. I love Israel. I have three Israeli kids. I lived here. I was publisher and CEO of the Jerusalem Post. I didn't watch the whole thing. It bored me to tears. I didn't understand that for the life of me. What, what possible editorial judgment? MBS is an important guy. Saudi Arabia is an important country. The uh, diplomatic goings on now between Saudi and Iran and Israel and the Middle East and the transport, that's all important stuff. I'm not dismissing it. But 30 minutes when, in fact, yesterday, the the biggest crime scene in Washington was the White House and the DOJ. I think we now should start calling it the Corleone administration. Merrick Garland, our our attorney general, dissembled with the best of them, refused to answer any questions, claimed no knowledge of anything. On the one hand, he said he was responsible for everything. And when asked about anything in particular, he claimed no knowledge of anything. He refused to well, yeah. answer. I'm just, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Tom, you know, he, he runs the largest group of attorneys in the world. I mean, when the, when the Justice Department comes down on your head, you know, it, that means thousands of attorneys that got up that morning, got out of bed. Their first thought was, I'm going to get him. And they go into work to go get somebody, right? So not surprisingly, it's obvious he lawyered up and he had plenty of lawyers to choose from. Uh, he, he was using all the classic phrases of, you know, oh, I don't recall. I'm not sure I remember that. I'll have to search my notes. I don't re- Really, it doesn't ring a bell with me. I mean, it was he, he. He sounded like a tourist that you know was found wandering the halls of the Department of Justice. He sounded like the guy on CNN with 
fires flaming behind him, cars burning, people shooting guns, claiming that it's a mostly peaceful protest. He took the witness chair yesterday, and you just nailed it with one purpose in mind, and that was to come up with answers that would not expose him to perjury. He wasn't there to answer a single question. He was there to tap dance his way around any purgeable offense. They cover up all the family corruption. Then they put everything under investigation. So when subsequently they're asked or compelled, subpoenaed to testify before Congress about any of these matters, uh, Merrick Garland can say uh, the same answer to every question. Well, this, you know, Senator, it's an excellent question. Unfortunately, the matter's under investigation. I can't comment. This guy's fingerprints are all over the place. He looked, you know, again, like that guy from CNN. Remember who, who talked about the mostly peaceful protests? This is Merrick Garland as Helen Keller. See nothing, hear nothing, say nothing. He's just a bystander now, don't you know? He's just a bystander. This longtime federal appeals court judge who stood in judgment of others for decades, suddenly he's not able to judge anything, Gary. He just he's a bystander. Well, Tom, I want to keep going back and reminding everybody. Uh, I had to, you know, I have to remind myself of this uh, periodically that uh, he was nominated by Barack Obama uh, to fill the Supreme Court vacancy of, I believe, Scalia. Yeah, that's right. And and, uh, and just and and look, <laughs> if it wasn't for uh, Mitch McConnell with all of his foibles and all of his, you know, the charges we all make about him, and you know, he's part of the deep state, and he's not a real fighter, and he. You know, he he doesn't do what he can do and all the rest of it uh, without consulting his Republican colleagues because he knew a bunch of his Republican Senate colleagues would object. Mitch McConnell, when he heard the news about Scalia's passing, immediately went out to a microphone. I believe the Congress was out of session. So. Uh, uh, the, McConnell would have done this in Kentucky and said, you know, our, our hearts are broken, our, our, you know, our condolences to the Scalia family. Uh, th- this is an important Supreme Court vacancy, and I just want to make it absolutely clear, this vacancy will be filled by the next president of the United States, whoever that ends up being. This is an opportunity for the American people to choose a president president that they have the most confidence in in putting a supreme court justice on the court and uh, if he and and he, he told me uh, McConnell told me at one point and the, the hours that followed it was shocking how many republican senators that called him to basically say how dare you i would have never this we look like obstructionists. The election's not for this many months. How can we get away with this? And McConnell said, "Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I just assumed we were all on the same page, and I've, I've announced it now. I'm not going to backtrack now. That would be horrible. That would be too embarrassing. So that's our position. That is our position. Now, this guy, there were Republican senators, Tom, and and there were Republicans, conservatives, or at least they were conservative at the time." They're not conservatives now. Um, maybe they ran out of ca- camouflage uh, that went public and said, you know, 
that was a mistake. Mayor Garland is is a pretty darn moderate guy. We could highly do a respect, lot more. Highly respected federal judge. Yes, always highly respected. Folks, if you hear a conservative in Washington say of another uh, person in Washington on the left that he's highly respected, mark it down because that conservative is getting ready to go native. That conservative is getting ready to become part of the D.C. tribe, a swim in the D.C. swamp. Uh, and uh, there, there were people that said that. And and so, you know, it's just another it's a little reminder of what we're dealing with in this city and why so often Republicans around the country, when they're asked how they feel, when they hear the word Republican Party, say the first word that comes to mind is betrayed. I you and I have talked about this in the past. I yearn for the day when conservatives will have the principle, have the conviction, have the will to win that Democrats have. And back to 2014, I mean, wouldn't it have been wonderful for Mitch McConnell to have said, instead of coming up with this business about not uh, considering a nominee in the year before an election, to say, Republicans run the Senate. We are not going to confirm a liberal to the Supreme Court. Democrats have been doing that since Robert Bork. They're not going to confirm, even if there's a Republican president and a Democrat senator, they're not going to confirm a conservative, which is why we always have to throw them moderates. McConnell, but the problem is the rhino caucus would never have, I mean, it was hard enough for them to go along with the subterfuge of it's not fair to do it in the year of an election. We run the Senate. It's a conservative Senate. We're not appointing a liberal to the Supreme Court, period. Yeah, Tom, you know, we we just got the proof positive of what you're saying is correct, because uh, uh, Biden uh, filled the vacancy. They literally uh, forced uh, and embarrassed uh, a Supreme Court justice to move on. And uh, uh, so they filled the vacancy and the the justice uh, now on the court that they nominated uh, was unable to answer the question in her hearing, what is a woman? And her response was, I mean, she goes, oh, well, that's... Uh, She's not a biologist, uh, Gary. That's, uh, that's above my pay grade. I, I mean, I, I'm not a biologist. Tom, That there was right there, every Republican senator had something to hang their hat on. I'm not, you know, she seems like a very nice lady. I, I am never, I am not going to put somebody on the Supreme Court that is already so compromised by this radical, insane, transgender ideology that she was fearful of saying what a woman is. That disqualifies her from being on the Supreme Court. No, she got, I forget now. Do you remember how many votes she got? A, a significant number she, of Republicans 17 or 18 votes, I believe, if not yep, something, yep. Like, almost a fifth of the Senate. I mean, almost half of the Republican senators. I don't think it was quite half, but certainly more than 10. Look, even even Lindsey Graham, you know, who's been a good fighter on some of our nominees and in, in holding the ground, has said publicly, look, uh, ideology should not be a factor in this. 
uh, you know, if if uh, if a liberal is nominated and they don't have any, uh, um, you know, problems with their tax returns or uh, accusations of inappropriate behavior or whatever, uh, you know, presidents get to appoint Supreme Court justices and I will vote for that justice. Well, it's called, Lindsay, the advice and consent, the consent. You're not supposed to be a blank check. Uh, for whatever president is sitting there. Otherwise, the uh, founders would never have put it in. If the objective was to be a rubber stamp, why have an advice and consent clause to begin with? That, that's right. And, of course, it's because Republican senators have followed that philosophy, while Democrat senators, beginning with Robert Bork, decided that uh, their ace in the hole in the battle for America was their control of the courts, that they could force on the American people through the courts what the American people would never vote to do. And not only was that an advantage for them, they knew that the Republican Party's mindless embrace of the old traditions and of um, the gentleman's approach to politics would uh, cause them to tell any Republican president privately, uh, don't don't send up a big right winger up here. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to vote for one of them. I want you. Yeah, the court should not be racked with ideology. And meanwhile, all those years, the court. We watched the court take prayer out of the schools. We watched the court find a, a right to abortion somewhere in the Constitution while ignoring all the things in the founding documents that actually say there's a right to life. We watched the court take the school prayer decision and relentlessly build on it year after year after year until we got to the point where if a Christian teacher took her personal Bible to school with her and laid it on her desk. And then during her lunch hour, when the kids were not in the room, read her Bible. Principals would tell the teacher, you're not allowed to do that. That's a violation of the separation of church and state. We let them remake America using the Supreme Court. And it's the fact that we've got the court back. By the way, I left out one of the most major things. They redefined the definition of marriage, which has been in place about, oh, I don't know, (laughs) is it 2,000 or 3,000 years? They uh, overruled the votes of 29 individual states in America, from conservative Mississippi to liberal California, that voted that marriage should remain the union of a man and a woman. So they remade America while Republicans spent their time on the really important things like opening up trade with communist China so everybody could get rich, getting us in no-win wars, uh, fighting to the death for no tax hikes on billionaires, bringing up their latest proposal to cut your mother's Social Security. Um, and there, I look back on those years, Tom, and I'm amazed we won one election let alone a handful of elections. Well, Republicans talk and Democrats act. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the latest threat to democracy, 
the Democrats. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. We're hosted at justthenews.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Bauer and Rose Show. I'm Tom Rose. He's the good-looking guy over there is Gary Bauer. Alexander Hamilton's famous line from the Federalist Papers, give all the power to the many, they will oppress the few. Give all the power to the few, and they will oppress the many. Now, um, Biden is right about one thing. Gave his uh, his UN General Assembly speech the other day. He, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, or yesterday, actually, um, He's right about one thing. Our democracy is under attack, Gary. But, of course, the attacks are coming from him, not from us. This is the same president who opens the border. And now, I don't know whether you saw this or not, orders ICE to give photo IDs to illegal aliens as they cross the border. The only way out to restore our democracy, say Joe Biden and his his uh, puppet masters is to, you know, do away with the Senate, do away with the states, pack the court, imprison political opponents. Um, but I think we saw something in the Merrick Garland testimony that uh, should reassure us at some point, because a lot of the Democrats over the past couple of days have discovered this grave new threat to our democracy, which, of course, is the U.S. Constitution. But Democrats yesterday, in the name of Merrick Garland, finally found a constitutional amendment they can get behind. The Fifth Amendment, not the first, not the second, but the fifth, that lives on. <laughs> That's a great point, Tom. You're the amendment that people take when they want to avoid uh, self-incrimination. Right. I'm, I'm taking the fifth. Um, yeah, uh, yeah there, there's just absolutely no doubt that, that the threat to our democracy is the party that has the word Democrat in their name. Uh, I refuse to call it the Democratic Party. I, I remember years ago, uh, a, a number of folks like Phyllis Schlafly used to, uh, you know, correct all of us when we said Democrat, Democratic Rep- uh, Party. She said, Why are you doing that? Their na- their actual official name is Democrat. You're using it as an adjective and making it sound like they are the Democratic people <laughs> and we're the anti-Democratic people. Uh, fair, fair point. Uh, but look, in a way that has never been done in America, Tom, that they made uh, – uh, alliances with big corporations uh, to attack the rights of the American people, to censor the American people, uh, to keep them uh, uh, out of venues where you could express your opinions. Uh, they, they've used the IRS to uh, attack uh, political opponents. They've used every agency of our government. They are undermining constantly the confidence that our elections are free and fair. If you were really worried about the health of our democracy, which it isn't a democracy, it's a constitutional republic, 
But if you were worried about that, Tom, you, and you're the Democrats, you, you wouldn't be uh, resisting cleaning up voter rolls. You wouldn't be letting people register on the very date of the election when nobody can check if they're actually a citizen of the state they're registering in. You wouldn't insist on paper, uh, on machines being used when nobody has confidence in the machines. You wouldn't be fighting back when Republicans want to have poll watchers in every precinct place in America. You wouldn't, as they did in Philadelphia, literally physically kick out the Republican poll watchers and they had to go in to the court on election day to get a court order to be permitted to go back in because they were physically being blocked. And of course, that meant for, I think it was somewhere between three and five hours, there were nobody in the precincts in Philadelphia other than Democrats. I mean, we don't. Gee, we, I'm sure they were honest <laughs> during the whole day. We, I, we love to complain about elections. Democrats love to win elections. We don't need to wait and see how they plan on rigging next year's election. It's already rigged. I mean, even if Biden is forced to appear in public with a drip bib and a drool bucket, I mean, it started earlier in the week with the Pennsylvania governor whose name, I can't remember a Jewish guy, obviously it has to be, that his state, yeah, 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 one of those, you know. Um, yeah. That his state has now become, he's proud to report, his state has now become the latest to enact automatic voter registration. So uh, no matter who you choose to vote for, he says, now we'll make sure your voice is heard. So at least all of those illegals that Biden is escorting across the border can now have their voices heard. Thanks to... Um, Anybody in the state of Pennsylvania that walks into a DMV for a driver's license or a state ID, no proof of citizenship required, you're automatically registered to vote. And ICE will now be issuing IDs, government IDs, to illegals who cross the border. Illegals don't even need to wait for citizenship now. The plan here, the purpose here, Gary, is as simple as the nose on my face. It's to increase the fraud, multiply uh, uh, or duplicate votes, encourage illegal voters, ineligible voters, felons to win elections, giving the government more control over the management of election rolls. I mean, just look at how fast this thing has happened how successful it's been, and how slow and ineffective and pathetic Republicans have been. In 2015, not too long ago, there was not a single state that had automatic voter registration. Didn't exist. No state had it. Not even D.C. Today, it's the law in 16 states, and in 39 other states, state legislatures have bills adopting it that have been introduced in all of the other states. Now, don't forget, this was the centerpiece, Gary, of the very first piece of legislation Nancy Pelosi introduced in 2021 that uh, she wanted the Democrat Congress to adopt which was this H.R. 1, the voting rights bill, Democrats are focused on winning and we are focused on whining. They plan to win elections and we have plans to complain about elections. 
Well, you know, Tom, as as they move further and further left, uh, bigger and bigger government, higher and higher taxes, indoctrination in the schools, uh, t- attacking American heroes, uh, the founders, etc., tearing down statues, confusing our children, telling them all kinds of sexual malarkey. Uh, you, you know, just go down the list. They've got to cheat more and more because even today, that's not the American people. That's just not the American people. And so in order to for them to win elections, they've got to come up with more and more ways in, in order to uh, be able to manufacture votes. Tom, I for the life of me, I do not understand why there is not a federal law that in an age of computers and all the rest of it, that uh, a federal law that would require every state to run their voter registration list past the list of every other state to ensure that somebody is not voting in several states at a time. I mean, this is a fundamental thing. Have Republicans sure, tried to introduce anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I suspect not. But I mean, look, it, it, I mean, just think of the circumstances, right? You're a student in one of the big universities. You vote in, in, uh, at your university. The Democrats have organized those campuses. They've got a voter machine at every major university in America. Line up, line up. Uh, you know, here you go. Here's your ballots. And, uh, but, but two weeks before that, you sent an absentee ballot home. Uh, to another state where your parents lived, where you grew up, and you voted there for president. Nobody compares the the names to see if you voted in more than one place. This is insanity. Uh, it really takes your breath away. Step back for a second. Think about this. What the Democrats have been able to do in seven years. Automatic voter registration was a was a fantasy eight years ago. It was a Democrat wish list, you know, dream. That's all it was. And seven years later, it's on the verge of being adopted by a majority of the states. The Democrats came within three votes in the Senate of turning that into a national law. And I think that gives you a sense of what we conservatives are up against. They're playing quantum chess, and we're playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks. Well, uh, I, I mean, that's, sorry that's about a, that that's alliteration. Good, I, yeah, I got a little carried I, away there. Where do I? I need to wash my brain out there. <laughs> uh, uh, I, Tim, or Tim, uh, Tom, we're we're fighting. Uh, I mean, your analogy is good, but I'm, I'm not even sure that. That gets us. You know, we're we're still talking about uh, Robert's rules of order, and and they're trying to implement Brave New World. Uh, you, you know, it's just it, it it's just amazing to me uh, this instinct among uh, well guys like Mitt Romney. You know, the the thing that 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 upsets him the most is the lack of civility. That he sees in the Republican Party, irony of ironies. You know, we've got to lower our voices. Mitt, do you see what the other side's doing to the country? Come on, man, as Joe Biden, your friend Joe Biden would say. Uh, 
it's it's got to be something genetic in the in the in the bloodstream of the Republican Party that that it is so desperate to getting back to a tone that that signals to the American people there's nothing really important or uh, vital happening here. It's it's just a disagreement among friends. We want a marginal tax rate of 35%. They want a marginal tax rate of 37%. And down the list you, you can go, right? Uh, and uh, the, de- the Democrats are, have been able to get emotional about weather. They've taken weather and turned it into a national issue. You, you listen to a Democrat give the weather report, you'd think you're all going to die before the end of the day. Try to get Republicans to get emotional about things you should get emotional about. Our country is being invaded by young military-aged men, and the President of the United States refuses to stop it. You should be emotional when you talk about that. Not, you know, put on green eye shades and say, oh my, I found here on page 87 on the ledger uh, that an extra $400 was spent at the Department of Education that we didn't appropriate. We need to rescind that. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I just don't get it. Do you think just it, go be a banker. Go be an insurance salesman. Both honorable professions. Sit at a desk and say nice things to your customers. But the Democrats are not your customers. The senators that you're in that chamber with, guys, one in America where you as a Republican will basically either be in jail or spend the rest of your life apologizing for who you are. I've I've wondered about this a lot. I wonder, I'm not a psychiatrist, obviously, not even a fake one. I wonder if you probe deeply enough into that mindset, whether it's anything more simple than the uh, a cool kids table in high school. Whereas before the table that seats eight, one, maybe two, you know, conservative kids got to sit at the table. That's what we fought for. Now we've been kicked out of the table entirely. And our drive is to get back to minority status at the cool kids table, because ultimately that's what it's about. It's about the approval of the cultural elites, those who control how America, how Americans are supposed to think. And it's driven by the media, obviously, the bureaucracy, the judiciary, academia, even high schools now, grade schools, kindergartners, the culture, the, the entertainment industry. It's all one way. And we're left out. And I think that's where Donald Trump comes in, right? Because he represents this epic making change in the focus and the direction of the conservative movement and the conservative and the Republican Party. From Davos, which is where our leadership five, ten years ago wanted to focus its energies, to Detroit or Dearborn. The working class party made all the more potent by the fact that Donald Trump 
is a blue-collar billionaire, and he really is a blue-collar billionaire. That's where his heart is. That's where his emphasis is. That's where his focus is. There's been a lot of chatter on Fox News I've been watching in the last day or two about Donald Trump's decision not to go to the second debate. Why in the world would he go to the second debate? And if the next debate doesn't move the needle at all, like the first debate didn't do, then maybe it's time for the others in the race to think about doing something else because the same strategy pursued with no effect that hasn't worked until now probably isn't going to work beyond now. So if the next debate, which I think is a week from, what is it, a week from Thursday or next Thursday night right. or something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. If you have seven or eight candidates in that debate and it has as little impact on Donald Trump's lead as the last one did, and the last one I thought, I thought uh, Governor DeSantis did very well. I thought Vivek Ramaswamy did very well. I thought Mike Pence did well in his way. I, but it had no impact, no effect. And I'm just wondering at what point, granted no votes have been cast, I understand that, but at what point are people going to begin to accept the reality that Donald Trump is our candidate, Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, will be the Republican nominee, um, uh, despite or perhaps because of the unbelievable uh, travails that, that he faces, the 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 legal jeopardy that he's fraudulently been put in the middle of uh, the party needs to get, I know it's 60% and that's overwhelming, but he needs a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree, Tom. Uh, look, I, I mean, I think there's a, there's a reality gap here. That's even bigger than the one you just described. They, they, they not only need to uh, understand that uh, short of, intervening events that nobody has any control over uh, that he will be the nominee. The, the second thing that I don't think they understand is that if one of those intervening events happen, uh, whether it's the president being found guilty of uh, a, fel- a felony by one of these kangaroo courts and literally taken off to jail if somebody, God forbid, tries to harm their, or successfully harms President Trump, uh, any anything in in those areas that um, that that they have no chance, they have zero chance of winning in November of 2024. If Donald Trump is not on the ticket, at the top of the ticket, Republicans. Will not win in 2024. Now, I know the conventional wisdom is the exact opposite of that. But it's based on nothing. It's based on nothing. Chris Christie, Chris Christie is at 3%. He's a more credible general election candidate than the Republican at 65%. It doesn't make any sense, Gary. It's it's nonsensical. Oh, and Nick Nikki Haley, who now this is Fox flavor of the day. Uh, you know they've been they tried the DeSantis, and then they went to Christie, then they went to Tim Scott, and now they're you know oh oh uh, Nikki Haley's performance in that first debate was incredible. I mean she's still gaining from. I watched the debate. I mean, it was a totally run-of-the-mill performance. There wasn't anything in that debate that Nikki Haley said or did that could be described as 
just unbelievable. I'm telling you, Tom, the Democrat Party would chew Nikki Haley out, chew her up and spit her out. Whatever, whatever matchups you get today where she looks competitive. But before the Republican convention was over nominating her, they would have her positive ratings down in the dump because none of these people know how to fight back against the left better than Donald Trump. Although DeSantis is close. I mean, I, you know, again, it's like watching your two favorite teams out there. I like DeSantis. I think he's terrific. I think he's gutsy. He's in your face. He's unapologetic. And he's also very effective. But he's a young man. He's only, what, what is he, 45, 46 years old? He's been a terrific governor, won a massive landslide. He's 40 points behind. Um, And I just, what troubles me a little bit. Now, here's, go ahead. Here's what people are hanging their hats on. And, and look, it could end up being true. Um, when you look at the second, who's your second choice? Um, the, their, Trump is not a lot of people's second choice because he's their so first many choice. Of their first choice. Exactly. Right. But, but if, uh, if all the people that have a second choice uh, united behind uh, a candidate – uh, in Iowa or New Hampshire, you, you could end up with a surprise. And then that might cause, you know, an immediate shift in, in attitude. But, uh, I, I don't think so. Tom, there was a very telling poll this week. Uh, I think it's, I'm, I'm not going to make a mistake by sight, but it, it was a, it was a legitimate poll. They polled 1500 voters. And one of the things that jumped out at me, number one, uh, Trump was beating Biden uh, nationwide now by five points. His lead in the swing states was closer to eight. Uh, if Nick, if um, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, because of a health event uh, or a decision by Biden, ended up being the nominee, Donald Trump beats her by eleven points. No other Republican beat either one of them in this poll. But here was the thing that really jumped out at me, Tom. They took Biden and they matched him up against a generic Republican. So no no name. So you could imagine almost anybody you wanted, right, uh, in running against Biden. Biden beat generic Republican by three. (laughs) So Trump does better against any possible Republican you could imagine against Biden, which to me is further proof that he's bringing to the table about, I think, somewhere between six to eight million voters that if he's not on the ticket, they don't vote Republican. Of I agree. They I- come out only because of him. That's exactly right. I just wish, and I love Donald Trump. I worked for him for four years. It was the highlight and honor of my professional life. I want him to stop trashing DeSantis. He's up by 40 points. I don't want DeSantis ruined by this. He's a great talent. I know you don't think he's... You know, Mr. Personality, but I don't, he's, I don't want him ruined. He's a young man. He's, he's a, I think a spectacular, uh, 
a political talent. I just, you know, the old line about there are no second acts in American politics. As I've mentioned, I'm here in Israel and all they do is recycle their retreads over and over and over. We don't do that in America. And I just don't want this guy destroyed. I want him to have a political future. Well, I don't think Trump has been saying that much about him now. Um, but you know, maybe I'm missing some of the stuff or whatever. But I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting in this upcoming debate, Tom. I mean, a lot of the knives were out for DeSantis in the first debate, uh, except for people like Christie, who had his knife out for Trump. But I wonder now whether people will really go after Nikki Haley since uh, she's being pushed by Fox News and um, you, you know, may uh, is trying to emerge as the alternative. And the, the the thing the that question, Tom, how many people do you think are really auditioning for uh, running mate? I mean, now that's obviously Pence is not doing that. Uh, but I, I think Tim Scott might be doing it. Uh, uh, Christie's not doing it. Right. Um, I doubt DeSantis is doing it. Maybe no, no. Nikki well, first Hale of all, they, you know, there's a constitutional issue. Um uh, 12th Amendment, you can't have a president and vice president from the same state. So DeSantis would be ruled out. Plus the fact I think now Trump has such animus for DeSantis, which is unfortunate. Um, I want to hit one other thing, the Megyn Kelly interview with, with Trump. And again, you know, this was a minor speed bump, but I don't think he handled the trans. I mean, I don't know how you screw up the trans question. Uh, Glenn Youngkin, yeah, I- the governor of Virginia... Uh, in a blue state, was headlong, ferociously anti-trans kids in his gubernatorial race. And you alluded to this the other night on the abortion question, that Trump is obviously now focused on the general and not the primary, and that by somehow trying to solomonically split the baby on the trans question, but I don't think that impresses people. I I wish he would have answered that more directly. Well... Uh, okay, so a couple of things. I, I did not see the interview. I did see uh, the the uh, ex- I did read the exchange. Uh, you know, he she wasn't asking him about policy. She asked him whether a man could be a, a woman. Man can become a woman, and I mean, look, not genetically they can't. I think that's what he was trying to say. But obviously, you can get your you know, intimate parts cut off and have other parts <laughs> sewn on, uh, and you you could be deranged and think you're a woman. Uh, but look uh, on the policy, he's not hedging at all, Tom. Good, I mean, good. he put out another statement just in the last twenty four hours, and he spoke at values uh, the the what used to be called the values voter event. In fact, he he spoke at a couple of events in Washington uh, this past. Uh, Saturday, and man, he went right down the list. We will cut off uh, federal aid to any school district that allows boys to go into girls' bathrooms. And he just went down one item after another. Plus, we know what kind of judges he'll put on the courts, and these judges are ending up being the final defense against this idiocy that uh, this mania that is sweeping the country. By the way, Tom, I had a question I wanted to ask you. You know, the polling always shows that we're doing we don't do as well among women as the Democrats do. But I'm beginning to wonder if those polls really aren't valid, because 
maybe they're they're kind of distorted because some percentage of Democrat men are claiming that they're women. <laughs> I mean, I and then look, they tell the pollster they're against us. I like I like. I know I like old fashioned women, you know, the women that had wombs. Um, and today you get so mixed up because all these women now have beards and male genitalia. I can't figure out which way is up. I will say as we're hanging out with the wrong women, Tom. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I will say as we, uh, as we begin to wrap up, there was some news from, uh, from our part of the world that you, I don't know whether it's made any, um, it's had an impact uh, in Washington or the U.S. today as President Biden gets ready to meet President Zelensky after refusing uh, to meet Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House. They, you know, had a pull aside, what's called a pull aside in the biz at the U.N. General Assembly. The uh, Polish Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki announces yeah. today that uh, Poland will cease arming Ukraine um, Amid this huge dispute over grain exports, we can't transfer weapons anymore to Ukraine, he says, Morawiecki, because we've got to focus our energies now, after a year and a half of sending everything we have to Ukraine, on rearming Poland. And we need the most modern, effective, up-to-date army that we can possibly have. And he said something that I thought was very interesting. And it's true. Poland was the very first country, for obvious reasons, just look at a map, to do everything for Ukraine. And that's why uh, Poland now expects uh, Ukraine and, by extension, the United States to understand their interests. As you know, uh, Putin um, uh, has, by uh, besieging and quarantining the Ukrainian uh, ports on the Black Sea is holding hostage all these grain exports. So under tremendous U.S. pressure, uh, much Ukrainian grain has been flooded into Poland. Now, Poland has a very dynamic, very important agricultural industry of, it, of its own. It doesn't need Ukrainian grain. So in the past year and a half, Polish farmers have been devastated by this influx of Ukrainian grain. And Morawiecki is saying, uh, we can't do this by ourselves. If you want to protect Ukraine, that's you do it. We've done enough. We've taken two million refugees. Our market is flooded. Our agricultural industry, our farmers have been devastated. Now it's us. Now it's Poland that needs relief. Don't keep pressuring us to carry the load. If you want this to be your war, you have to step up. Yeah, he uh, he used the drowning man analogy, as you probably know, Tom, that a drowning man is very dangerous to the rescuer. That's why you're supposed to approach the drowning man from the back so that he cannot grab a hold of you and drag you under the water. And that was the analogy he was using. We've done everything we can to help Ukraine, but, but because they're, they're, they continue this, this, this uh, sinking, this war that threatens to sink us all keeps going. We're in danger of being drowned by our commitment to helping Ukraine. We can't do it anymore. So I, yeah, I, I did see the news. Uh, and of course I saw the same people, you know, uh, 
Bill Crystal's running ads, uh, you know, trying to gin up more Republican support for the endless war in Ukraine. And he's going to uh, apparently troll the Republican debate next week. I'm sure it'll be something very creative. And all the old arguments were being used, arguments that you and I some you know, do disagree on, Tom. The most common one that's being used is if we're not tough in, in Ukraine, it'll send a message to China that we're just not up to the fight. Look, Tom, if you want to be if you want to show China you're tough, you don't do it by being tough in Ukraine. You do it by being tough to China. Amen. That's the way you send a message to China about how tough you're going to be. Be tough on China. That's I can't think of a better way to end the show. I <laughs> know. Uh, I mean, that's exactly right. As we dither and tither vis-a-vis Taiwan. Uh, we're six billion dollars behind in our I was just in Taiwan a couple of months ago. We talked about this. Taiwan, $6 billion behind in receipt of arms purchased from the United States. Not given to Taiwan like we're giving it to Ukraine. Taiwan paid $6 billion and we're, we're, we're holding up munitions that they need to defend themselves in the face of increased Chinese aggression, increased Chinese intimidation and threats to defend themselves by themselves and there has been no policy change within the Biden administration to shift that focus and research. This talk, Steve Bannon says this all the time, all this talk like a Pavlovian, you know, Tourette syndrome, pivot to Asia, pivot. We've got one Marine battalion in Australia. That's it. That has been the extent of our quote unquote pivot to Asia. Well, that's, that's so sad, Tom. That's so depressing. We we do need to leave and uh, and wrap up our show, but... A hemlock is being found in homes all over America. <laughs> you know, well, one final comment today. You know, we have this horrible situation. We lose this F-35. The pilot apparently had a mishap and ejected from the plane. They're saying today, Tom, that the problem with the plane was it was in a thunderstorm. And the F-35, this is the first time I'm hearing this, cannot be within 25 miles of lightning. I, I mean, I I hope our enemies only attack us on good weather days. I, I, we can, you know, and it's funny because I got a whole, I wrote a piece for Breitbart several years ago about the F-35 that would, I'm not going to send it to you because it would, you would, you would be breaking into homes in search of hemlock. That's in search bad, of Hemlock. Huh? No, there was a there was a squadron of F thirty fives that these I'm in Israel that the Israelis purchased and they swap out the avionics, put in their own. But it was a big thing. The prime minister was there. The president was there. They were being transferred from Inserlik in Turkey. They couldn't land because it was raining. Oh my gosh! F thirty fives. They had to tell me. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness! That that is. Uh, where, where's my maker's mart when I need? Oh gosh, gosh. Well, well. At least here it's in the evening, and I can head straight to the booze cabinet. But you've got to yeah, wait. There you, you go. You we'll got one for me. You got to wait a few hours. Anyway, this has been a great show. A happy, happy weekend to you and to. All of our Jewish listeners, we're not back until after Yom Kippur. So for those of you uh, who will be observing 
the holiest of holy Jewish days. Uh, may you be written in the book of life. May your inscription be a good one. Have an easy fast, and we will talk to you uh, next week. Fantastic. Thanks, Tom, and thank you all for listening in, and we'll be back. God bless. God bless.